Well, again, it's good to see everybody um, here tonight. Just in case you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Justin Shipley, and I am currently serving as the college um, pastor here at First Rust. And 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 I'm. I just want to let you know up front. You know, it's a kind of if you're, you know, here for the first time and everything. We do care about you and, and your spiritual development. And as a college ministry, our church cares a lot about you and and um, cares that that you um, get involved into a local church and that you make that part of your college your college life and and there's three things that I always tell our students that if you know me um, any length of time you'll hear me say this and I know I to our leadership I sound like a broken record um, but at the same time I really think it's important um, our three goals or our three are wins for us as a college ministry is for you to get involved if you if you choose to get involved at first Rustin it's three things. One is that you leave here with a passionate pursuit for Christ, first and foremost. That's number one. Number two is that you fall in love with the local church because even though she may not always be all that great and pretty and everything else, it's the only means by which Jesus is going to bring about his redemptive plan. That's what he chose to use, and that's what he's going to use. That's part of his plan. There's no, no plan B. Um, and number three is that your own mission, wherever you find yourself, whether, whether in your occupation or whatever location that you find yourself, because we know it's a reality to us um, as people who live in Ruston or people that's involved um, that are, I guess, you say, a residents of Ruston, we know that, that we're only just going to be a piece, a part of your, 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 your life or a part of your life stage. And within that, we want to make sure that we're being faithful stewards um, of that time. And um, so I just want to be up front with you and say that's what we desire as a college ministry. That's what we desire as, as a leadership. And then we make that our prayer, and we hope that, that we find that you align um, with us. So tonight, uh, I just want to uh, share uh, something out of uh, Mark 5. You'll turn your Bible. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark 5. Um, but... It was the night, or 2016 in the College World Series where TCU was playing Coastal Carolina. And in that sea of fans in, that, in Omaha, um, how many of I mean, you have ever been to Omaha into the, you've been, you went to the College World Series? Wh- which one? When Arkansas lost, that's usually what happens, but no, I'm not joking. <laughs> Uh, I'm, just, I'm just joking, man. <laughs> I'm a Mississippi State guy. I went to Mississippi State, so I, I'm not yet to go to Omaha when they go, and they go pretty often, um, Caleb. But, but, but I'm just joking no, with that, too. But, uh, but anyway, it was in 2016 at that particular game, um, there was this young boy by the name of Sammy D. Donato. Sammy D. Donato. And Sammy, for somehow, caught the eye of a camera. And, and through that sea of people, of those fans that were in that crowd, it, it, it was that one that got the attention of this cameraman, and they, and they had a stare off. And you see this kid in memes and everything else, you know, all the time, whether it's a, a video that's explaining, hey, you know, me at this, such and such, and they find this kid staring, sitting there staring at the camera or whatever. But it made him famous, and so I want you to watch this, this video just for like a minute. It's pretty funny.
That's pretty much the end of it. But the funny part is when he looked at his mom. That, that to me, I always thought that was the funniest part of it. Um, but out of all those people, it's always there. There's always that one um, that out of all the sea of people. And tonight, I want to, I guess, to build a case that God deals with us on an individual basis. And, and, and even though there's the multitude, there's the masses, and, and there's so much, you know, so many people that, that, that God has jurisdiction in God's economy that he's over, but yet he always deals with us on the individual basis. And there's so many passage of scripture that alludes to that and so we want to deal with one in, in, in Mark 5 but but before we go there I just want to just bring one um, out to you that that I really um, that I really love it's, it's in Matthew 18 when he says in verse 12 where it talks about that he leaves the 99 Jesus is talking about leaves the 99 sheep to pursue the one that is lost and yet you know we see him dealing um, you know, with us, or we get the glimpse of how God deals with us or cares about us on an individual basis. And, you know, you heard the phrase, there's no I in team. Y'all ever heard that? It's like, there's no I in team. And, and although that philosophy rings true, you know, within function, um, we know that within a team, there's the individual, Right? We, we have individuals who, who, who has different life experiences. They have different genetic makeup. They have different, you know, uh, gifts and talents and characteristics and everything. There is the individual within the many or in the masses. And, um, and yet God deals with us on that individual basis. And so, you know, with, talking about us having, being individuals, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. You know, one thing I like to ask people is, where are you from? Anybody from Wisner, Louisiana? Anybody from Wisner? Nobody from Wisner? I got cousins there, and they, but that most of them are in jail. But, um, but, but I like to know where people are from, and, you know, you know, I'll ask you about your life experience. Like, hey, man, what do you do? What do you do for fun? You know, what's your, what's your major and all that kind of stuff? And, um, but, you know, but the reality of it is we all come from different backgrounds. We're all individuals, but we all have issues, right? We all have our own issues. And um, so look down at your feet and say, I have shoes. No, I'm just joking. Uh, y'all didn't get that. Boy, y'all are slow tonight. And so anyway, we all have our different issues. And we got one guy tonight that's had his issues. And we're going to look at him in Matthew, or excuse me, in Mark 5. And, um, but the first thing I want to point out is this, that Jesus meets us. He always meets us where we are. He always meets us where we are. And so let me give you a little bit of context. In, 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 in chapter 4 of Mark, 
He's talking to the masses and he's talk, telling all these parables about you know, himself and about the kingdom of God and everything else. And Jesus did preach to the masses. And, you know, but he also believed in, a, in a, a level of the, or excuse me, an individual level as far as him pouring into the disciples and called discipleship. And so he, at that point, he was speaking to the masses. But look where he says in Mark 4.35. He says, and that day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took a, him along just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. So basically he said, all right, you know, I'm talking to the masses. He's preaching to a bunch of people in the, in the countryside. But he said, but he looks at his disciples like, hey, let's go to the other side of the sea. So let's move on to Mark 5, starting verse 1. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of, uh, I can't, I always have a hard time saying this, Gerasis, Gerasene, Gerasene, excuse me. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there he met out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could buy him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the change apart, and he broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when Jesus saw him from afar, he ran, the guy ran down and fell before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you do with me, Jesus, Son of the God Most High? I abjure you to, by God. Do not torment me. Now, there's so many things that we can point out about that particular passage of Scripture, but the, the main thing I want to point out tonight is that the guy has some issues, right? I mean, there's a lot going on, and we don't really have too much context of how he got to this point in his life where he's going around in the tombs, you know, buck naked and cutting himself and breaking chains and everything else, but the, but the guy has some issues in his life. And, and, and so many times that... We find ourselves, you know, in situations where we got things going on in our life and we think that, you know, it's hard to see where God is in the mix. It's hard to see where he's working or he's moving or if he's even there. There have been times, I mean, out of all honesty, there have been times in my life and I was like, God, are you even there? Like, there have been times where there's situations going on within, you know, circumstances, and, you know, you think that, that he's so transcendent or he's so far away that you can't feel him or you don't know if he's moving and working. So we all have our issues, and like this guy, Jesus hadn't pursued this guy and had an encounter, you know, with this guy. So Jesus went all the way across the sea, and here's where I want to point, point out, because this is where it gets me. He left the masses, and he went across the whole sea to meet one guy, one guy, to encounter one person. And this is where I do believe that God deals with us on the individual basis, is that he does care about what's going on in your life. He does want to get in the mix when everything seems bad and, and, you know, everything seems out of control because we get a sense of this guy was out of control. And so he went all the way to meet with this man. Here's the thing about Jesus, that Jesus, he empathizes or he sympathizes with us. In Hebrews 
um, 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so he understands, he, his, his, one of his reasons why he came to earth to be able to relate to a people who was separated from God and who had issues just like this guy in this text. And so what do we see by this? We get to see a, the part of Jesus that he empathizes or he emphasizes with empathy. He's able to have empathy with us, and we see a glimpse of his, his empathy by this encounter with this guy. He cares for you just like he cares for this, this one guy. Number two is that he highlights his initiative. He took initiative to pursue this guy. He crossed the sea. And if you read the text, there was a storm involved. Now, granted, we know that Jesus calmed this you know, storm through his spoken word. But at the same time, there was a lot of risk from the masses to the individual. And, but he went, the, he went the distance to have an encounter with the individual. He takes initiative. You know, we, we get that passage of Scripture where we love because he first loved us. We get to experience the love of Christ, and we get to display the love of Christ because he first loved us. He took the first initiative in, um, in pursuing us. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we may become the righteousness of God. That was him taking initiative, becoming sin, that we may become the righteousness. He, it was, there's a great exchange there that we're able to have because of Christ taking the initiative. And it characterizes his intimacy. You know, I mean, I heard it said that one time that uh, you know, that Oprah Winfrey herself had a hard time with God because she heard that God was a jealous God. Now we get, I mean, there's a bunch, if you, if you Google God's a jealous God, there's tons of passage about God being a jealous God. But you know what? That is an awesome thing when it comes to God and our relationship and his relationship with humanity. Because you know why? Because if you're jealous after something, what do you do? You pursue and so God pursues us on the individual basis because he, jealous, he loves us and he, he desires to have an intimate relationship with us, with us. You know, so many times you can go stand by a seashore or stand on a mountain. I lived in Montana for a short time and, and I saw the most majestic scenes that you could ever see. And you can stand on a mountainside or whatever and look across and you say, man, you know, God is awesome to be able to create all this stuff, and he, but he seems so transcendent. But at the same time, one of the characteristics of God is that he's all-knowing, but he's all-present. And God has the only ability to be able to be intimate with every single one of us, and not, not just every single one of us, but the whole world. He has that capability. And he's the only one that has that ability. God is not... A distant God, he desires to have a relationship with us on an intimate level and to work in us and through us individually. You know, my struggle with relationships, and I was talking with my wife about this the other night, is that, um, you know, I get so caught up in life doing, you know, I got three kids and they're going three different directions and I'm doing, three, uh, you know, several roles in the church and everything else. I get really busy and everything else. But sometimes I just stink at being a friend. You know, I don't, I don't I, you know, I, I neglect, you know, picking up the phone and calling and saying, hey, man, how are you doing? You know, I got friends that, that I desire, to, that I got good friends that I 
like to hang out with and everything else, but sometimes I just stink at being a friend or, or sending that text I know I need to send and everything. You know, and that, to be honest with you, on a relational level, you know, I mean, I would love to have a friendship with every single one of you, but, but the reality is I don't have that capability. I don't have the time, nor I don't have the, the ability, and, and you can say the same thing about me. There's no way that one person here can be good friends or have a really solid relationship with everybody in here. But yet, God does, and he can, and he wants to, and he desires to. And so he, it, it characterizes his intimacy. Number two is this, is that Jesus didn't leave us where we are. Jesus doesn't leave us where we are. He pursues us, or he meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us where we are. Now, just like Jesus encountered this demoniac who was messed up, Jesus went to the, to the pit to be able to have this encounter, but yet he doesn't leave us there. He changes us. Let's look at, let's continue to read in verse 8. He says, for he was saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And basically, let me give you a little context. And this is another message for another day, but, but this kind of gives you understanding. The guy was, was basically possessed with demons. And like, again, we don't know how he got to that, that, that point in his place, but... We know that he was possessed, and so what Jesus did, basically, he's going to f- liberate this guy from these demons. But yet, he didn't leave him stranded in his depravity, or he didn't leave him sh- stranded in his hopelessness. But, so he said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Basically, it was a demon speaking. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, the great herd of pigs was feeding there in the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and, they heard, and, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned the sea, and drowned into the sea. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I like bacon. I, I love the smell of it. I like it on anything. When I was talking with um, William Tull earlier, and we were talking about you know shooting, shooting game, wild game, and and we we discovered we have a commonality, don't we, Will? We like bacon wrapped, you know, on, on all our game and everything else. I like bacon. Now I've been kind of upset to see two thousand pigs go over the the the, the ledge and drown. And um, so I'm sure there was a lot of people that were angry about that, and we know, understand that they asked him to leave because they were missing their bacon. So the herdsmen fled and told it to the city, and the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man. Here's the cool thing. The one who had the legion sitting there clothed in his right, man, right mind, and they were afraid. And so we see this guy who'd been liberated from the demon possession or from all his issues because of his encounter with Jesus. Y'all know one of the, one of the coolest, I guess, sayings or phrases that, that really just stuck with me when I once heard it is that Jesus loves us for who we are, but he loves us so much that he won't allow us to stay as we are. And so when we have this encounter with Christ, yeah, 
even though he's God, he meets us where we are, but the encounter is for us to leave that encounter changed. But he doesn't leave us where we are. So we see the encounter with Christ makes a difference. We see the power of Christ in motion for this particular individual. This guy was destitute without hope, and Christ gave him the freedom that he could never find within himself. This guy was running around the tombs, possessed. He was hopeless. Guys, because Christ deals with us on the individual level, our experience with Christ, our change, has to be our own. And what I mean by that is, is my fear is sometimes is that because we live in the South, in the Bible Belt, and we... And we're, you know, a lot of you may or may not have grown up in churches, but we got this preconceived idea of who God is, but we're living off of somebody else's experience with Christ and not our own. Because even though the good news is that Christ deals with us on the individual basis, we're all going to have to be dealt with when we stand in front of God on the individual basis. That's the trade-off. But here's the, and, 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 because Scripture says in excuse me, Hebrews 9.27, is that we, it's appointed for man to die and then we must face judgment. So when we stand in front of God, we're not going to be standing in, a, in amongst of a crowd in the masses. We're going to be there by ourselves with our whole life to bear in front of God. But here's the great news. Because God deals with us on an individual basis, he extends the love that he has given us through his shed blood on the cross, and the power of his resurrection, he gives that same love and power on the individual basis. He deals with you, not the, the masses or the crowd. He deals with you, and he knows what's going on with you, and he wants to deal with you specifically. Number three, our change impacts others. Where the, the, where the many are or where the, the masses are. And what do you mean by that? Let's look at, go on down to Mark 5, 17 through 20. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting in the boat, and the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he may not be with him. And he did not permit him to come with him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and begged to proclaim in the, the capitalists how, how Jesus would had, or what had Jesus done for him. And everyone was marveled. You see, when Jesus impacts one, the one impacts many. And the cool thing is, is that they don't see necessarily you, but Christ in you. We just sang a song about that, about Christ in me. So when Jesus impacts one, this is where he relates back to the masses. It's through the individual. He impacts the many. You never know how Christ will, will, do, uh, will use your redemptive story. You don't know how Christ can use what um, your experiences and everything else. He can redeem your story. Guys, I don't, you know, I've shared this, you know, you know, about my family a little bit last year and everything else, but 
You know, there was a lot of things about my family history I wasn't too proud of. And one of the things that I want to do as, you know, in my life is to redeem my name. I redeem our, the name of that, that I have is Shipley. That's my last name. And I don't know if you all are familiar with donuts. I'm not kin to the donut people. Has anybody ever heard of Shipley Donuts? They're really good, but I'm not kin to them. It's probably a good thing because I like them too much. But because of my, my, my family history and everything else, it has been my passion to redeem you know, my name. And that's the only way I know I can do that is to live a life in Christ because I want people to see Christ in me. I want to impact others because of what Christ has done for me. You know, I want to, you know, and it's so cool because I, I run into family and I get to say, you know, I get to talk about my family and everything else, my immediate family. But yet I say, and I always get to say, man, Christ has d- done this for me. Christ has done that for me. And so when, when Christ impacts the one, it has an influence on many. Guys, here's one of the, the biggest things that I want to point out. Is that Christ, or Jesus, crosses all the way to the other side of the sea. He has an encounter with one person. And Scripture says he got back in the boat and left. That's a lot, a lot of initiative for one encounter, wouldn't you think? I mean, at this time, point in Jesus' ministry and life, he had some clout. He was drawing some crowds. People were following him throughout the regions. But yet, he crossed all the way over to the sea had one encounter, and then he gets in the boat and leaves. One encounter. There's always just one. There's always that one that he deals with. But yet it's so impactful. So impactful. Yes, did he liberate the one? Yes. Most definitely. We see the liberation in this passage of Scripture. But what happened was is that he went and told all the other people, and the people were marveled by that. And so God deals with you on an individual basis. And guys, I don't, I like, like I said, I don't care where you find yourself, what kind of mess you find yourself in, what kind of shame that you're carrying, what kind of sin that you're immersed in, or, or, or even the you know, situation that you didn't even ask for. He can deal with that on an individual basis, and he wants to get in your mix and be a part of your life. And so I want to close with this story. I got a friend of mine. He usually he used to come to this church quite often. And but when he came to this church, he was always high as a kite. You know, I had a friend of mine um, that tell me he goes, "Yeah, man, I used to smoke a lot of marijuana, and I was always high as a giraffe's butt." You know, and so I was like, "I never heard that before." All right, but this guy was always high. You know, high as a giraffe's hiney, or whatever you want to say. And um, so whenever he came to this church, it was always, you know, he was always just like causing some sort of issue and everything. And even to the point where if he even come in, it was pretty much he was coming in to cause some sort of trouble. And you just dread it. 
And I know y'all don't know, if y'all don't know where the depot is, the depot from here is Dataway. And so there's a coffee shop over there, and we used to have our worship services over there. And I remember him coming in one night, slipping in when I started preaching, and sitting in the back seat, and I was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? It was always something that was going to happen. Because he wasn't in his right mind. And so he, uh, he ends up keep coming, and this guy, Luke, gets saved. And when I say he got saved... God got up in his mix, and he changed his life, uh, turned his life upside down from where he was. And, um, and it's so crazy is that Luke, that night he came to that service, he, uh, he told me later on, he goes, you know, he said, Justin, um, you know, I was high. I've been doing a lot of, I don't know what he was doing. He was doing some sort of drug. He told me what he was doing. He said, I came in. He said, the demons were telling me that. He said, I didn't like what you were saying. He, told, he said, they told me to kill you. And I was like, well, what would you tell them back? He said, he said, I talked them out of it. And I thought, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> but God set him free. And let me tell you something. If you know Luke, Hawk, and Josh today, that guy has had impact on thousands. On thousands. And so, guys, I just want to plead with you. As the band is coming up, and they're somewhere around here. As the band is coming up, we, I just want to plead with you that God wants to get in your mix. He wants to deal with you on an individual basis. And you, you may... Say, Justin, you know, I'm not demon-possessed and all that. You know, I never was either. Thank goodness, you know. But at the same time, we all struggle. We all need Christ in our life. We all need a personal relationship with him. And um, so I just want to ask you, as we sing this last song, is to you know, just contemplate these things. Anytime we have an encounter with Scripture, we have to evaluate our life in light of Scripture and see where God wants us to do, and see how he wants us to move. And um, so let me pray, and then I'm going to have them close out in this song. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for loving us and giving us your son, Jesus Christ. And God, your word says that while we were yet sinners and hostile towards you, you died for us. And, and so, God, I just pray that we would just take in consideration that, that you desire to have a personal relationship with us no matter who we are, what we do, or, or what we come from, what kind of life experience that we have. But, God, I just know that by this passage of Scripture that you love the individual. And, and, and from the Matthew 18 passage that you, that you leave the 99 to pursue the one. And that you have that, that, that jealous love towards us. And God, I just pray that we as individuals would yield to that jealous love. And, and God, just receive your salvation. And for those who have received God, that we would just continue to receive the grace that changes us. And so that we can impact and influence our surroundings. So God, we give you honor and glory, and we give you thanks. In Christ's name, amen.